Hello from Los Angeles and welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School for this first Sunday in July. It's the 7th of July, 2013. We're just two weeks away from our first public seminar of the year on July 21st. For those of you in Southern California, that'll be in La Crescenta, which is just north of Glendale between Burbank and Pasadena. And we have a flyer that we've been putting in the newsletter each week. If for some reason you're not getting the newsletter, just go to our primary website, the w's.theagelesswisdom.com, and click on free newsletter. Leave us your first name and primary email address, and we'll make sure that you begin to get the weekly emailed newsletter. That has all the information on upcoming events and, of course, the link to this live webinar, which many of you are listening to via podcast, so you may not even know about the live webinar or the streaming archives, which are also available. And then, of course, at uh, 1.30, that's Pacific time, of course, 4.30 in the east this afternoon, We'll be doing the premium training for those of you who are enrolled. And you can do that also at that same website, the w's.theagelesswisdom.com. You can register for a single class or a 13-week quarter or a full year for the deepest discount. So as far as the public seminar goes, when that begins on the 21st, two weeks from today, this webinar and the premium training that follows will move forward three hours to 10 a.m. Pacific, 17 hours universal. For those that do listen live, I want to call that to your attention. Also, we're working on a plan to change this whole series from audio to streaming video. And pretty sure we're going to be able to work it out so you'll be able to watch live streaming video via YouTube or Facebook. And, of course, we'll supply the links in the newsletter, make it as easy as possible for you. It also means that the video version of this program, this class, will also be posted in YouTube. The premium training may continue to be audio only, though it'll be studio quality rather than by telephone. But all of that is in the works, and we'll be sorting that out this summer. So just thought I'd give you a heads up. But uh, the primary notice for the day today is we're just two weeks away from the public seminar and the point at which the live classes move forward from 20 hours universal to 17. How about if I put it that way? Our topic for the day today here in the free forum and also the premium training that follows is, if not your ego, who are you? We hear a lot about people with ego problems. What does it mean to have an ego problem? That's a good place to begin. Or ego death in Eastern philosophy. My goodness, if we kill the ego, what's left? That's another way of saying what our title is asking today, if you're not your ego, then what's left? Who are you? And it's a great question, I think. I was watching an interview this morning of a leading rock star, uh, 
pop music star, and he was talking about the difficulty that young people have currently being individuals. And it occurs to me that young people have always had the problem. And it's not limited to young people, although it may seem to be because when you're young, that's when you first encounter the challenges of identity. Who am I? And certainly there are books like, for me, it was Catcher in the Rye and the story of young Holden Caulfield that caused me to realize that I didn't have to be like other people. I could honor and respect my own individuality. But coming from a largely dysfunctional family, having few good positive role models and no real instruction in the field, I had little idea how to discover my individuality. I just had this feeling inside that I was not like other people. I I guess I knew I was weird. I was a little bit strange. I heard it in Jim Morrison and The Doors and their music. I heard Mick Jagger say he couldn't get any satisfaction. I heard Lennon and McCartney say it was all too much. It was blowing their minds, too. So, and a million other people, you know, Jimi Hendrix, excuse me while I kiss the sky. And so, I guess all of us have, on some level, been looking for a better sense of identity, but we didn't know how. And there is not a whole lot of reinforcement, so it's pretty easy as an adult to adopt a particular character or role that is designed primarily to please other people. Not that that is a bad intention, but it can often amount to a betrayal of who you really are. And frankly, I think the best way to please other people is to be true to yourself. There's that great line in Hamlet where uh, Polonius says to his son before he heads off to the big city for the first time, this above all, to thine own self be true. And then as night follows day, thou canst not be false to any man. The best way we honor the individuality of other people is to respect our own. And yet, how do we do that? And what does that mean? And if we're not the character that we assume, if we're not the role that we tend to play, even the one you say, well, this is who I primarily am (laughs) when nobody's around, it's still probably a role designed to please your own expectations, you see. So it's one thing to say, well, I'll cop to it. I do have a number of characters that I can assume or various roles that I play, but I know which one is primary, and yet that's the ego. What is the ego, and who are we really? This is what we'll touch on here in the free forum. I'll do a little meditation exercise at the end. And then we'll go into this in depth in the premium training that follows in about 20 minutes. And of course, all of it, free form is available by replay on demand. The premium training that begins at 1.30 is available after class by replay on demand. And this free form actually is podcast as well, but I bet you knew that, right? We, <laughs> we find more than 90% of people are listening 
either to the streaming replay or the podcast. But it's always good to have a few of you here live. And as the size of the event grows, the likelihood that some of you will want to participate in an interactive event increases. And I hope to be able to do that at some time in the near future as well. So we'll see how it all goes. What is the ego? The ego is that part of self that identifies with our physical and therefore separated nature. It is fear-based. Yes, it is. It is not love-based. It's always longing for love. But it is primarily fear-based, and its job is to ensure survival and procreation of the separated form in the physical world. That's basically what the ego is. If you think of the old stagecoach where you had somebody driving the stagecoach and then a second person riding shotgun, the ego is the part that's riding shotgun, but it really wants to drive. So although the primary responsibility of the ego is to ride shotgun, to ensure your survival, to be afraid, to be on the lookout for the bad guys, to orient yourself as a separated form in what seems like a very dangerous world of separated forms. There's you and everything that's not you from the ego's point of view. So its job is to be that protective agent, to ride shotgun. But as I say, it wants to drive. And if you don't know what's left when you manage the ego, who manages the ego, right? Or if we release the ego or in Eastern philosophy, kill the ego, what is left? Well, the person that's supposed to drive, the so-called higher self, This could be the soul. It could be a kind of an overshadowing nature, a more refined self, um, a better nature, an elevated perspective. Uh, Some, what's that saying? Some people use my better angels. It often manifests, as people say, as a still, small voice, a whispered intuition or intuitive nature. Paul McCartney called it whispered words of wisdom. That's the higher self, and it is love-based. It's the part that occasionally says, you know, from up here, from this elevated, rather lofty perspective, I have broader horizons. I have a larger, more overarching conceptual view than the ego down below. And I'm here to tell you, looks pretty good from up here, like everything's really going to be okay. There seems to be a pattern here. Every time that you were worried, things tend to work out for the most part, even when some tragedy strikes. It's never, in the long run, as bad as you fear it's going to be. Higher self understands that the ego's fear is distorted, always distorted, and exaggerated, and almost never real. 
and yet necessary if we're going to live in a separated body in a world of separated form. There are dangers out there. The biggest dangers we pose to ourselves by being careless. Your bathroom, your shower stall, or bathtub is probably the most dangerous place, statistically, that you could be. Uh, Next to the bathroom would probably be the freeway. That's a rather dangerous place. Or climbing a ladder. I think that ranks rather, (laughs) given all the warning labels on ladders, that's a pretty dangerous thing. There are bad guys out there, some people interested in coming to get you. Not sure why, maybe they want your color TV, Uh, maybe they need money for drugs, Uh, who knows? Maybe they're angry at you or someone in your family. It's just to put it in perspective, the dangers in our lives are infinitesimal compared to the fear in our lives. And so to believe that fear or anxiety or nervousness or worry or doubt represents some kind of real danger is to make a mistake that an ego could and does easily make. The truth of the matter is fear is almost never about danger. What it is about, even if it does include a tiny little bit of danger, what fear primarily is about is things unknown. Ask yourself, next time you're afraid, or recall the last time you were really afraid, and if you had the presence of mind to say to yourself at the time, well, what am I afraid of? The answer probably would have been, I really don't know. And that's the point. Fear is a nightmare. Fear is a bad dream. Fear is made out of ignorance. Sorry, don't mean to insult anybody here, but we don't have a lot of words for not knowing or not being aware, not understanding. It really comes down to ignorance or confusion or having to use the word not (laughs) a lot. Unaware, unknowing right? Ignorance and confusion. That's what fear is. Even if the danger is real, even confronted by earthquakes or landslides or rabid dogs or a grizzly bear, the fear is less about the danger than what you do or do not know about the danger. And so you have to really understand something that the ego itself does not understand that knowledge and understanding is the antidote to fear. Imagine, understanding that understanding is the antidote. Do you get that? That understanding itself. Now, understanding is sometimes called awareness. It's sometimes called consciousness. It's sometimes called spiritual love, which is a much more refined quality of love than the emotional love that we're all familiar with. When you capitalize the word love, capital L, love, you're talking about this consciousness, this awareness, or understanding on the higher level, the soul level, if you will, the higher self, the elevated perspective that is love-based and stands above the egoic nature. So, 
The other point I want to make in this brief introduction here in the free forum is that when people say, well, somebody's got an ego problem, he or she must really think they're all that. You know, boy, they really think that they're perfect and they can do no wrong. They've got a big ego. Don't they think a lot of themselves? That's a gross misunderstanding of what it means to have an out-of-balance ego or egoic sense of identity. The truth is, the bigger your ego, the less you know about yourself. A so-called inflated or exaggerated ego to a person with understanding is very clearly an individual who does not know who they are, and so they pump up their ego as a front. You know, uh, Townsend and Daltrey, the Who song, Eminent Front, and the refrain is, it's a put-on, it's an eminent front. Why? Because if you don't know who you are, you're going to have to fake it. And that's what an ego is. So the bigger the ego, the less somebody knows who they are. And if that resonates with you, if that makes sense, oh yeah, I, I know. <laughs> we, I mean, we all know people who are like that. And uh, gosh, I remember years and years ago, one of my first memories of doing radio talk shows, there's a handful of these peak experiences that I had and one that I'll always remember. Listeners often bring it up to me, actually, when they meet me. They say, do you remember that guy (laughs) way, way back in the day who called your show and said, Michael, I need your help. People make me get into fights. And I said, how do they do that? He said, well, they just make me get into fights, right? The ultimate in irresponsibility. Uh, They're challenging his ego. Again, here's the third point I want to make today, and it fits nicely with the other two, so it's part of the same thing. It's not really a third point. But the fact remains that the more you know the truth of who you are, as a spiritual being, as a unique individual, as this higher self or soul-infused persona, if you will, the less your ego matters because it's managed by a higher self. The higher love-based self tends to corral and domesticate and manage the ego sort of the way you train a dog, right, that's always afraid. And the less it matters what other people think. The more you understand the truth of yourself, the less it matters what other people think of you when they judge you. Now, if you have a big ego, which is evidence that you do not understand yourself, what other people think will matter a lot. And so it's easy to get dragged into a fight, especially if you're a guy with a lot of testosterone racing around in your blood. You feel you have to defend yourself. The irony is any sense of needing to be defensive is evidence that you're identifying with a false self. The truth of who you are never needs to be defended. So if you feel defensive, you're identifying with the false self. 
Now, both parts are true. You need to think of the ego as being like the south end of a bar magnet and the higher self as the north end of the bar magnet. Each of these polarities needs the other one. You can't have one polarity without the other. There is no yin without a yang. There is no yang without a yin. You've got to have an ego if you're in form. I mean, even Christ, when he dropped into this body and was incarnated, had an ego. Buddha clearly had an ego. All of the great prophets, once they incarnate, they adopt egos. We can see it in Christ overturning the tables of the money lenders and the so-called temptation of the Christ. I mean, if Jesus is God, how could he be tempted? You see, one of the countless contradictions that we encounter when we study philosophy and comparative religion. Well, it's that ego nature. This is really the only concept that makes sense in terms of what is at the root of evil. It's the false self. It's not some external force or a little guy in a in a red outfit with a pitchfork. It's your false self. It's your fear. It's your ego. Take a breath and close your eyes. Relax. Let's do a quick two-minute meditation here. Take another slow, deep breath, inhaling, and ah, with eyes closed as you exhale, feel the letting go in your body. And think of yourself as being like a bar magnet. And the bottom of that bar magnet around your hips and the base of your spine is where your ego sits, and it's always afraid. It thinks it's separated. It knows it's unique. Even the higher self understands in form we are unique. That's a higher bar magnet, the one and the many. Unity and diversity, that's true enough. But there's a lower correspondence of unity and diversity within us which is the harmony of the soul and the uniqueness of the separated self. It's true enough. It's part of the bar magnet. So feel your ego is sitting low, below the abdomen, at the base of the spine, and your higher self is in your heart. You might even feel it in your head, in the center of your head, an area sometimes called the heart center in the head. This would be more than the love that we capitalize. This is divine will to love. And there is a heart center in your head. So however you think of it, the soul or the higher self is exactly that. It's more refined and it has an elevated perspective or view. It sees more and understands more conceptually than the ego at the bottom end of that bar magnet. And yet both are true. But the higher self ideally manages the ego like a little brother or a little sister, gives it comfort, says everything's going to be okay. And if you ever are in real danger, facing some wild animal or in a dark alley at night and somebody approaches you, the ego will jump forward as fight or flight and take command. 
no need to worry about that. But throughout most of our lives in our daily affairs, we want the awareness that is the higher self to manage, to train, to domesticate, to administer the egoic sense. Love manages fear. Understanding that, having oriented yourself as the higher self, the elevated perspective, awareness itself, take a breath. And as you exhale, uh, open your eyes back in the room, feeling fine, rested, refreshed, and with a much better sense of who you really are. You can let go of that ego and discover your individuality from an elevated perspective, more aware and willing to seek the truth of who you are, based less on what you think of yourself than more on how you feel about yourself. Not merely emotionally, but spiritually too. If you'll join us in the premium training, it's just a handful of bucks, less than lunch, you'll get the whole enchilada. We'll go into it in depth and got a program from our archives that will be part of it. So go to theagelesswisdom.com. You can do that now. Click on webinars and then premium training to enroll. Takes about 60 seconds. The thank you page will have the URL and password. You'll get an email too. Thanks a lot. We'll see you over there. And in any event next week in the free forum, have a wonderful day and a great week. Be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. So long from L.A.